Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Summit. Today, we're going to be talking about one of our personal favorite topics, investing, and the three types of investing. Investing in your business, investing in yourself, and the more common one, investing in stocks and bonds. How to make money off of that, and how you can use it to make yourself grow. But without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Summit. My name is Mr. Grimm, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Paparazzi Serial Entrepreneur. <laughs> and today, we have a pretty good episode. It's probably going to be one of my favorite episodes. We're going to be talking about investing. But before we begin, I want to let you all know that Paparazzi and I have a Patreon set up. So if you'd like to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash summit. Oh, is it? No, it's Summit Podcast JP. Sorry, we just started it. Uh, right now, we're going to be uploading our new hiatus episodes. I think we've talked about this in some previous episodes. They're just going to be some chilled out episodes, nothing about investing or anything like that. No personal development, just relaxing, talking about whatever's on our mind. Now, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and begin the episode. So, paparazzi, we're going to be talking about investing today. And I think so far we've covered, I mean, well, there's all kinds of investments you can think you can do. But I think the primary ones that I've looked into, because a lot of the other ones are kind of subcategories, the three main ones we have are investing in, you know, the typical one, the most obvious stocks, bonds, ETFs, that kind of thing. Uh, the second type of investing is investing in your business. So if you already have a business established and you want to consider investing into it, we're going to give you a little information on what that exactly means. And the last one, probably the one that I find most inter interesting is investing in yourself. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's get into the first one, which is investing in stock spots and ETFs. Now I do own several stocks and things like that on Robinhood and Weeble and all of the additional apps and stuff like that. What about you? I also have a few stocks and cryptos. Mm -hmm. uh, crypto scene right now, as um, the day of this recording, are not doing so hot. They, they were doing way better earlier 2000s and um, 2020s. They were doing a little bit better. 2015-ish is where they kind of kind of started i mean it started before that but they kind of like start booming around that time right but right now they're kind of tapering off and that could be good or it could be bad you know um as they taper off the value doesn't is not as volatile mm -hmm. therefore it's more viable as a currency because if it's volatile obviously you don't want your dollar yeah. to be one dollar today and ten dollars tomorrow and then zero dollars the next day so as it's starting to slowly taper off it's becoming i think more viable as a, a actual usable currency around the world i think that's an actually interesting topic or an interesting point of view because a lot of people when they consider investing in crypto the biggest thing that they always consider is like the the extreme version of stock buying where it's like buy low and then sell high. So it's like I buy Bitcoin for, I don't know, $8,000 a coin, and then it immediately jumps up to $36,000, and then I just sell my Bitcoin, because now I basically made all this money. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's definitely one way to utilize it, um, but because it's so volatile, it's literally just a gamble. Like, yeah. it's very much a gamble. So I do I do invest a little bit in crypto, maybe like 5-10% of my overall portfolio consists of some cryptocurrency. But generally, I do stay away from it. <clears throat> 
but I haven't really considered doing any research in the more recent times, uh, just because of the last few years, crypto has become increasingly volatile in terms of like the dip, but now it is starting to taper off and being a little bit more steady. I know, what was it last year? Crypto being at like 60 something thousand dollars per coin. Then oh, think, Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was down to like 30,000. So it essentially just got cut in half. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people are probably feeling the bite from that, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, Given the current economy, I don't really think Bitcoin was actually usable as a currency in the world yet. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they tried to use it early on. I want to say around 2012 ish, somewhere in the early t 2010s, they tried to use it. And um, it some uh, actually there's a story about some guy who bought like a pizza for like 10 Bitcoin, which is like 10 bucks. Yeah. And then that guy who accepted the, the 10 Bitcoin is now like super rich and the guy. <laughs> who ordered the pizza all he had was a pizza out of it yeah so he bought a basically he bought a pizza for like i don't know six hundred thousand dollars or something some along the lines the best best tasting pizza you've ever had yeah so i'm pretty sure he was pretty pissed about that uh, yeah early on it was it was used as a former uh, actual currency even though it was volatile it wasn't as volatile because back in the day bitcoin was around like two hundred dollars or something some along those lines or like a dollar or something like that but then it started to go crazy when people start to see um, its uh, potential and then around 2020 when COVID hit uh, people started getting more into cryptocurrency because they had to sit at home so they had to find another way of making money and that's when there was a huge boom but then uh, around the time crypt, uh, COVID ended people were able to go outside the house again and they started to see like this is not what, it's, what, what I thought it was and then it started to crash again I see yeah so um, but you brought up a good point you're, when you said that you were investing in crypto and you're using like five, five, ten percent of your um, overall, yeah. that's actually a really good point to um, bring up when it comes to investing. You should only use a certain percentage of your overall income, otherwise, you know, something bad could happen. Because investments are a gamble. You could end up losing all of your investment, um, or you can end up, you know, doubling it or tripling it, whatever. So, only use a certain percentage, like. Five to ten percent is what like a lot of billionaires would say to do. Well, I mean, billionaires have yeah. millions of dollars, and it's five or ten percent. Yeah, um, I wasn't necessarily referring to only using five to ten percent of your income. I would say that certain investments are definitely a gamble, but some certain investments are not really a gamble. Like, for example, the most common one that everybody talks about is like the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. they, it is statistically proven that if you are to invest in the S&P 500, then and continuously invest. In other words, I think the uh, the term is dollar cost average, meaning mm -hmm. that when the stock goes down, you still buy. When the stock goes up, you still buy. Because a lot of people have this kind of notion where it's like buy low mm -hmm. and then sell high. Because you always want to do that, you're constantly looking at your phone, waiting for the stock to drop so that you can buy it when it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it raises, you want to like sell it and things like that. That's not what I recommend whatsoever because it takes an incredible amount of time. You got to do all kinds of research to figure out whether or not the stock is going to drop. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of unforeseen circumstances which can drop. But the general consensus for the S&P 500 is if you just continuously put money into the S&P 500, mm -hmm. then within, I think, like 20 years or something, you would be part of like the top 1%. You'd be essentially a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but even with that, it's still a gamble because let's say you put money into Circuit City mm -hmm. or Radio Shack. As uh, if you did it like 20 years ago, you would have probably nothing now because, you know, <laughs> they're not around anymore. Yeah. yeah. But, um, 
uh, I'd like to go back to the beginning and just preface this by saying that we are not financial advisors. We are not professionals in the you know the realm of accounting or anything like that. So just take what we say with a grain of salt. And these are what I say is more anecdotal. It's more my experiences and whatnot. But um, some things I say. Well, actually, anything we say, just go and you know Google it or talk to a lawyer or a financial advisor. Yes. And uh, we're basically just giving you questions to ask. We're not giving you the answers. We're just giving you more questions to ask to people who are in better positions than we are. No, that's very good. Yes. No matter what, no matter what you hear over on YouTube, unless it's specifically from some kind of person like Andrew Huberman, who's like a PhD psychologist for Stanford. Uh, Anything that we say, we are not complete experts in yeah. any field whatsoever, but we have done our research and we do have extensive history of, of doing things like investments and building businesses and stuff like that. So you can obviously take our expertise, but, you know, it's I wouldn't necessarily say we're experts in the in the field. Yeah. yeah. And even if you were to do, let's say, talk to a Warren Buffett, like I wouldn't take Warren Buffett's stock information as, you know, the Holy Bible. I would take his information and then the next person and the next person, next person, and then take all the little tidbits from each of these these people and see what works for you. I would never just go with just one person's um, um, in, information or opinion. That's also a great but, um, Yeah. So with stocks, you have to be careful with stocks because you also mentioned before you have to like watch your phone and then you have to like sell mm-hmm. as soon immediately if you're doing the whole buy low sell high thing. Um, thing thing about that is that's day trading if you're right. doing that if you're buying something and then almost immediately selling it or selling it within a certain amount of time that's considered day trading. And when it comes to stocks, you have to be uh, you have to have like a you have to have. You have to be a certain person to be able to day trade. Like no one can just people, normal people just can't just day trade. Also, if you day trade, then you're dealing with a lot of um, what's it called? Uh, you're you're buying and selling things within one year mark. Right. So that means it's capital gains. Exactly. There you like go. A, that's what it, that's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I know. Capital I, gains. I've researched that. That's like a fifty percent tax. Essentially, it's, it's a huge tax. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna get tax. Benefits from waiting after 365 days, yeah, yeah. and if you day trade, you're going to be hit with the, the highest possible tax. <laughs> yeah. So, I would say it's better to hold on to stocks. But like I said, we're not professionals, um, and sometimes it's better to you know sell if something's just going crazy. Like you might need to sell earlier. Yeah, absolutely. But you're going to be taxed the most out of you know if you do it within one year. Yeah, I think in terms of my recommendation for investing in stocks, ETFs, bonds, all those kinds of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, again, this is not necessarily financial advice, but this is my personal experience is that, and I will say this, like definitely consider this part is that when you are investing into a stock, you absolutely need to make sure that you have no bias in that stock because what ends up happening, if you, let's say, for example, you love Apple, mm-hmm. a lot of people like Apple and Apple stocks are pretty good. In fact, they're going up right now, which is great because I do own Apple stocks. However, I'm not what I would call an Apple simp, meaning that if Apple started to crash, mm-hmm. I would immediately sell all my stocks. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to hold on to dear life with the assumption that Apple is just going to bounce back because it may not happen. Right. And essentially that bias that like, oh, it'll 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 turn around and it'll it'll fix itself will cost you money. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to think with a logical mindset. You cannot be emotionally driven to invest your stocks and don't just invest because it's like, oh, I really like uh, Sony and, and, and Sony's doing really poorly, you know, or whatever the case may be. The, big, the biggest thing is do your research before you invest. 
do multiple researches on a specific thing before you invest. Because again, a lot of people have their own bias for a specific kind of stock or a specific kind of investment. And once you've done your research, do it with a logical mindset, knowing that if things go south, you will sell and not hold on to dear life just because you like the stock. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's my specific, um, I guess, call to action, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation, if you will. So I, I totally agree. Definitely don't have a don't operate off of a bias. I, I mean, you can you can get stocks that you are biased about, but don't operate off of that bias. For example, like you said, if you like Apple and like you're like a hardcore diehard Apple fan and you just think it's going to go to the moon or whatever it is, but you start to see that it's dipping really hard and then you start and you're probably going to be up to date on the updates of the company and whatnot. So you might see bad things happening, but you still really like the company. You need to look past that bias and like, okay, I really like this company, but I can see it's, it's going bad. So then you should go ahead and you know, do, operate off of the facts, the objects, ob- objective facts instead of the subjective you know, bias or whatnot. Um, and when I would like to say, if you're looking for a stock to trade, I think um, a good stock to trade is one that is recession proof. So uh, recession proof stock is something, let's say, because uh, yeah, recession proof and then you have like pandemic proof. So when COVID hit, people couldn't go outside. So obviously movie theaters aren't really good to have stocks in. And if you have, if you had stocks in it before that happened, it would be best to sell it because it's going to go away or wait until it goes really far down and then buy it. And then when it comes back, um, then you also have like airliners. They're not really pandemic proof because you can't really fly. Restaurants aren't really pandemic proof. They are recession proof, but they're not pandemic proof. Um, so buy or look into, I'm not going to say buy, but look into stocks that are recession proof and pandemic proof. Those are pretty good. Um, do you have any examples of what might be a recession proof stock or bond? Or- so, okay, recession proof. I say restaurants are recession proof because even if, you know, this recession, people aren't making as much money, they're still going to go out and eat and they're still going to, you know, still got to eat. But they're not pandemic proof because when you can't go outside, you can't go outside. That's you can't fair. go to the restaurant. So restaurants are a good example of recession proof, um, pandemic proof, anything online, technology and stuff, because even if you can't go outside, if you can't interact with other people, you know, technology is not going anywhere. In fact, technology is going to be boosted when people can't go out because people got to stay in. So things like I don't know if Zoom has a, a ticker, but if Zoom might be a good thing to invest in or uh, Skype might be. Well, probably I not. Zoom did very well yeah. during the pandemic yeah, because yeah. a lot of uh, colleges and other universities exactly. they had no choice. So like we need to start doing mm-hmm. online courses. So, yeah. So um, if you're looking for a stock, look at what's going on in the world and try to look at it as unbiased as possible. It's really hard to do that, especially with like Google Analytics and stuff. Like you can Google something and then everything that you believe is what you're going to see. So if you believe, I don't know, uh, the sky is not blue and you look up sky color and then it's always going to show you like green skies and red skies because that's your that's your Google Analytics. But try to um, go into like, uh, what's it called? Incognito mode or some kind of way toward the Google Analytics is not like funneling all the information you want towards you and try to look, you know, just kind of like see the, see where the world's at. And then you can kind of predict where stocks are going to go. So right now, technology is a good stock. Um, electric cars are a good stock to have or therapeutics, not 
Yeah, therapeutics. Yeah. So medicines and whatnot, they're also good because, you know, the pandemic hit and now people are like on edge because it could right. happen again. So medicines are good. Um, things that aren't so good are things like movie theaters, uh, game companies, like yeah, yeah. like physical gaming companies. Entertainment, essentially. Entertainment, yeah. Uh, things where, uh, let's see. Amazon is, is good because it's like online. Yeah. Anything that's like physical is a little bit harder to gauge because you know people are getting away from physical things and going out to places. So that's that's my opinion. That they are. And another one I just want to. It just came to me the other day, or not the other day, like in the last five minutes. <laughs> it was a quote. Uh, I can't remember who specifically said it, but I'll say Alex Hermosi repeated it. So this is not his specific quote. It's a quote from somebody else. Uh, but he says that most millionaires are made during a recession. And that's simply because what ends up happening during recession is the price of all kinds of stocks goes down. And so you can buy a whole lot of these things because eventually, historically speaking, unless our government experiences a complete economic collapse, it's always gonna come back up. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to take advantage of it, like invest more money during a recession into specific, again, do your research, into specific stocks, bonds, ETFs, then in due time, they will significantly rise and you can make a, a very good, you can make a killing, if mm. you will, off of those things. So that's another thing I want to put in there. Investing is always good. I think you should always consider it. But again, you have to do your due diligence. You cannot simply invest wildly. And there's different kinds of investings. Again, you can invest in something like... Uh, for example, Apple is one of them. You can invest, you can buy, and then the price goes up, and then you can sell, right? Mm -hmm. And then basically you can make your money. There's dividend stocks, which is some of the, these are the ETFs, some of the things that I invest in, things like the, uh, is it SMD? Yeah, the S&P 500 is a pretty good one. Essentially what that is, it's an ETF where you put money into that, and then the analytical people will basically distribute all of your money that you put in to the top 500 countries in the US. So all the countries that are doing well, and if one of them fails, the other 499 are probably doing pretty well. Or essentially it averages it out so that you will almost always make money, and every month you are paid back a portion of your investment. So I think the S&P, one that I have in, is like a 4% or 2% monthly, mm -hmm. something around those lines. So if I put in 400 bucks, then I get like, I don't know, $8 a month or something like that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm bad with math, so don't don't quote <laughs> me on that, but just generally. And so <clears throat> what does this mean? Obviously you need to put in a lot of money if you want to start getting a lot of money back in dividends. We're talking like, if you want to get $800 a month in dividends, you probably need to invest like close to $100,000 mm -hmm. in, in that one specific ETF or stock. That's a lot of money. I yeah. know that. Uh, but it's just something to understand. Like, you can always sell all your stocks and then get all that money back. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you're essentially just getting this free income, if you will, yeah. off of you know off your investments. So, again, that's the first category for investing. Do you have anything else to add toward that? Yeah. So, you said uh, about the recession. Uh, millionaires are made in recessions. Yeah. So, that's, that's very true. And also, recessions are a bad thing for people who are in the stocks yeah, so yeah. if you're thinking of getting in you're not actually in or if you are in it doesn't even matter if you are in and then there's a recession let's say like March of 2020 if you actually Google March 2020 stocks you'll see almost every stock went down it just dipped I remember so that was horrible back in 1929 you know the uh, the huge stock market yeah, crash you know the Great Depression, the Great Depression. Yeah. that was horrible for a lot of people who had lots of money into it but like um, if you aren't in it and you see a stock market crash, which is going to happen again. It happens um, regularly. So once it happens, that's actually a great time for people who aren't in it because you can just 
put a lot of money into it because like you said before, stocks are going to go back up. They're always going to go back up unless we just completely just lose money, all of our currency. But it's always going to go back up. So back in 2020, March 2020, if you had a time machine, you can go back there and buy into everything that you can think of. And then you'll have a lot of money now. Because if you look at the if you look at the history of any stock, it went down in 2020, March 2020. And then as of today, it's probably up unless it's like movie theater or something like that. It probably didn't come back. But like if it's an airliner or if it's a cruise or if it's like a medicine. Actually, I don't know if medicine actually went down, but regardless, it's, it's up now. And almost everything went down that time and er almost everything is back up now. So anytime you see a recession, it's, you know, don't. And also another thing I would like to say is you don't lose money until you sell. Uh, That is a fantastic point. So if you are in it and then you you see a recession or a huge dip like, you know, March 2020, then don't sell your socks necessarily because... I mean, if you do, then you're basically just admitting that you lost your money. Exactly. If you leave it in there and you wait for it to come back, you could break even. You could come back, you know, even stronger, whatever the case may be. But don't definitely don't buy high and sell low. You know, that's that's not a good idea. Right. And that, that's all I got to say about that for now. Uh, I'll we'll probably revisit it later. No, I'm actually really glad you said that because I that was one of the key things about investing, too, is is if, as long as you don't sell, you have not lost anything. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, the value of what you have owned may have gone down, but again, if you do your research and you know that the company you're in- investing in is a resilient company, that might be the perfect opportunity to double down and invest more mm-hmm. because now you are essentially buying your stocks even cheaper, knowing that they will go right back to where they were, mm-hmm. and that just means you made money in that situation. Yeah. So, yes, that's the big one. You. Do not lose anything by selling. Remember yeah. that. So keep your stocks, un- unless it's going to be completely like bankrupt and the company is going to go like no longer exist. Unless that's going to happen, I would not. And again, we're not financial advisors. Yeah. This is just my thing. <laughs> I personally would not sell my stocks in that situation. I and, would wait it out. And I treat stocks and any kind of investment like a gamble because it is a gamble. Right, right. So if I go to a casino and I go in there with $20, to me, the moment I walk in that door with the intentions of spending $20, I don't have $20. I exactly. lost that. So that's how you should look at stocks and bonds and any kind of investment. The, the money you put into it, look at that as gone. Like you don't have that anymore. That way, if it does crash and you you don't sell it, you still it's still there. It doesn't have as so much value. But like in your mind, you've already lost that the moment you put it in there. But it could, you know, go 10 fold or it can like 5x or 3x or double or whatever and then you can get that money out now that $20 that you thought you lost or that you you know had the mindset of that you lost comes back as $200 or you know $40 or whatever the case may be Absolutely, so yeah. always look at money that you invest as a immediate loss like mm-hmm. you just lost that money don't even put too much stock no no pun intended don't put too much stock in that money mm-hmm. no, that's very well said yeah that's that's always a good mindset to have go always go into the situation ex- expecting to basically lose the money mm-hmm. because if you lose the money you've essentially it's exactly what you expected and if you win money then there you go, there you go. or if you break even like hey whatever the case is but all right so that's a pretty good amount of time I think we've spent on talking on stocks, ETFs, and bonds investing. So let's talk about the second one, which is going to be investing in your business. Now, if you do not have a business, this portion may not be for you. But if you are starting a business or plan to be starting a business, I think this is obviously very something very important you should consider. And so what do I mean when I say investing into a business? Essentially, what this means is getting better 
output for whatever thing you're doing. For example, I think in the last few episodes, we talked about the lawn care service, right? So if you had a lawn mowing service and you were out there mowing people's lawns and you were making money and you wanted to invest in your business, you would probably buy a better or high quality or high quality or right? That's probably <laughs> English, but a more high quality yeah. lawn mower, something that can mow lawns quicker, faster, uh, more efficiently, you know, leaves less grass on the field, whatever the case may be. Something that is increases your overall output. That is what I mean by investing in your business. Mm -hmm. Additionally, and this is one of the ones that I think a lot of people need to really kind of get themselves in the right mindset is in another way to invest in your business is hiring the right person. And that sometimes means you have to spend more money, which is a big thing for a lot of people because it's like, mm -hmm. I barely make any money, do I? And sometimes it even means you might have to go into the red. You might have to like lose money on investing to get a higher quality individual to perform an action for your company or even just work for your company. Mm -hmm. But that is significantly better than hiring a bad employee, yeah. somebody who works for cheap. Because, and again, I do apologize, I'm not very good with these quotes. I know the quote, but I just cannot remember who said it. It might have been Warren Buffett, actually. But he says, like, the best customer or the best worker costs a lot of money, but a bad worker will cost you a fortune. Mm -hmm. And that's, just, that's very true because a bad worker will break the rules, can easily mess around with something in the company. And like, again, if you're working for lawn care, he can break your lawnmower. And now you got to go buy another one. And then he breaks it again. And now you got to go buy. And now the amount that you spent to get these two or three new lawnmowers is more than you are even paying for this guy be working for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So now he's costing you more money than you're paying him. Yeah. And you still got to pay him. I, I think Bill Gates or some rich person said that if you if you hire a lazy person, then they're going to you know cut corners to get the job done faster, which can teach you a lot about it's not an exact quote, but like basically I remember you, hearing that one. Yeah, 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 if you hire a lazy person, they're going to cut corners. So they're going to actually teach you how to do the job better mm -hmm. because they're so lazy. They just want to get it over with. So yeah. and that's a little segue. I think is a interesting thing to think about when hiring somebody. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the biggest thing is in terms of when it comes to hiring the right employee, you obviously don't want somebody who's lazy in terms of not wanting to do the work whatsoever. Yeah. But I think what he means in terms of lazy is somebody who will see what needs to be done and find the quickest way to do it. So they don't and, have to work. So they either. don't have to work, yeah. right? Because essentially, uh, I think they've already done studies on it where it's like most people are not able to do eight hour or they perform the same amount of work in a six hour work day yeah. than they do in an eight hour work day or yeah. even a four hour work day. Or they do everything in like two hours and then yeah. and rest for the last six hours. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is actually called the, um, what is it? The Parkinson's effect where whenever you give yourself or an individual a certain amount of time to do a task, they will use up every second of that time mm -hmm. specifically. So if you give someone eight hours to do something, they will take eight hours to do it. But if you give them one hour to do it, provided that you're obviously being reasonable, they will complete it in one hour. Mm -hmm. And that is why, like, Sweden has decided to do these six-hour work pays. Well, it's like, I still pay you the same amount of money. You're still getting eight hours worth of, of pay, but I want you to do it in six hours. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It gets done just as quickly, and they're more motivated to do it because it just means they get two hours more throughout the day for whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. So, like, why would I not? But when you're stuck in a situation where you can't leave, you have to work those eight hours, you're just going to do it at the, at the pace that essentially makes sure that you get it done within the day. Yeah, and I don't want to go too far off topic, but like you said, it's when when hiring somebody like that, it's 
you're paying them by the hour. Yeah. So if you're going to give them eight hours and you're going to give them one task, they're going to stretch that out to eight hours. So they want to get eight hours worth of work. But it, that's why I think it's really important to hire for a commission work sometimes because people, they want the most money. So if you give them one task for eight hours, they're going to spread that one task out for eight hours. But if you give them a commission, each task you do, you get paid for. They're going to do like, let's say it's the same type of task, whatever it is. Let's say it's you know, knitting a sock. If they want to knit a sock in eight hours because they're getting paid hourly, they're going to knit one sock in eight hours. Right. But if you tell them, I'll give you this much money per sock, they're going to knit like 800 socks in eight oh, hours. Absolutely. You know, so it, they, they're going to want the most money. So you got to think about that whenever you're hiring somebody. But again, I don't want to go too far off topic. But like you said about the, uh, the lawn care, um, that's exactly right. Uh, you want to get you want to invest in better equipment because even though, you know, lawnmower A costs let's say $100 and then lawnmower B, the riding lawnmower costs like $1,000. You're spending, you know, 10 times as much money, but the riding lawnmower may have like a bag collector so it collects all your grass and then it may um, even uh, cut grass faster and you using, using less of your actual energy. So if you're using the $100 lawnmower, you're gonna push it around, you're gonna be tired, you're only gonna be able to do X amount of jobs per day. You're not going to be able to go as fast, so you're only going to be able to do X amount of jobs per day. Then you got to turn back around and and rake up all of the leaves. So now you got to pay for a rake, and now you got to spend time for raking and then some more energy. So you may be spending a thousand dollars here, but you're able to do like let's say 20 jobs a day, whereas the $100 lawnmower you only get like five. You know, so just because something's more expensive doesn't mean it's bad you know for business it could actually be way better oh absolutely right you have to obviously do again with everything do your research yeah yeah figure it out but it's a perfect example like if you bought a hundred dollars let's just say you spent a hundred bucks on a cheap lawnmower and a thousand dollars on a high quality lawnmower Mm -hmm. if you had to exert yourself a lot for that hundred dollar lawnmower and you were only able to do I don't know, five lawns a day, and let's say each of those lawns is 100 bucks. You make 500 bucks, right? So you basically pay for the lawnmower, you got the extra money. But with that other one that costs 10 times the amount, let's say you're able to get, I don't know, eight, right? Mm. So that means within, I don't know, three to four days, you're already just made, you already surpassed mm. the cost of that uh, lawnmower car, and you're gonna continue to, you know, it compounds upon itself. You just make more and more and more because five can only go up five times, but eight will just immediately catch up and then yeah. start going way beyond it. Exactly, and and again with the employees, it's better to have a, an outstanding employee than to have a mediocre employee because that mediocre employee, like, like you say, it's going to cost you a fortune Absolutely. because they're going to break things, they're going to you know mess up, they're going to constantly call out, or they're going to. Be, they're gonna nest, they're gonna need you to be around to make sure they're doing well. So now now you're losing yourself because you are an entity as well, and you're able to put out work and you know produce products. But if you're watching this person because they're not that great, but they cost less, then you're actually losing two people. But if you have like this outstanding person, this person is able to basically run the whole business by themselves. And they cost a little bit more, but they're never breaking anything. And they're actually bringing in more money, you know, being more productive. And then you can actually do whatever you got to do because you don't got to watch that person. So it's actually better to spend more money on better people. But you don't want to spend more money on, like, you know, more mediocre people. Oh, absolutely not. So yeah. it's better to, to hire one great person than to have five average people. Absolutely. I would hundred. Even if I had to pay that one great person five people's salary, I would, rather, even, I would yeah. still rather have that one great person as opposed to five mediocre. Yeah, people, even right? if I have to pay them like eight people's salary, I'd rather have that that person times eight instead of five. You know, yeah, five yeah. mediocre people. One hundred percent. And then to 
another part into that at the same time. So like, if you do have mediocre workers already, like this is not telling you to like fire them. But another part of investing is you can obviously turn a mediocre employee into a great employee,、mm-hmm. provided that they are equipped to become that way. Some、yeah. people just don't have the ability, but there are plenty of people who do, but they don't have the training or the knowledge,、mm-hmm. and that is another part of investing. Right? right? You sometimes have to spend money getting higher quality items for them, so they can you know better computers, better whatever the case is, better technology for them to perform their tasks easier, and at the same time better training, so they become、mm-hmm. better at their job. In incentives as well, like. If you train, because some people are mediocre because they just lack the knowledge or the experience. So if you you know invest in their training, then they can become better. Some people are mediocre because they just don't care. So you may have to incentivize them if you care enough about holding on to them. You may may have to incentivize them, maybe give them bonuses or maybe some kind of like goal. You know, some people work better with goals. Some people are like, okay, well, if I'm working for eight hours in this place, I'm just gonna do what I need to do to get by. But if you come in there like, hey, I would like this and this and this to be done by the by the end of the day. Like, okay, now I know exactly what I need to do. I'm gonna do that. I have a goal. I have a purpose. That's a very good one. In fact, it、uh, takes me back to one of the videos that I watched with Dr. Simonson. That he's one of my、uh, men—not necessarily a mentor. He doesn't mentor me specifically, but he's one of the individuals that I follow his work because he's a、uh, specialist in like human resources stuff. And he specifically talks about treating your employees right. And again, this is, believe it or not, a type of investment. Right? This is a non. Monetary version of investing in your employees.、Mm-hmm. Doctor Sinek t- tells me about how he goes to this. I think it was like the Bellagio, right? This is in Las Vegas. He goes to the Bellagio. He's a, he meets a barista. I think his name was like Jeff or something. And Jeff is just like this absolute star employee. He's so cool. He's funny. He makes the highest quality cap- cappuccinos, whatever. And he's just an overall great person. And Doctor Sinek is talking to him, and he eventually. Tells him like what a great person he is. He sees the managers from the cafe walk by. They address Jeff by his first name. Hey Jeff, how are you? You know all these kind of things, and then they get onto the topic about how Jeff has a second job. He's also a barista and he works over at Caesar's Palace, but he doesn't try at Caesar's Palace. He just kind of keeps his head down. He just does the bare minimum. He's just there for the paycheck,、mm. and the reason for that is because he feels that he is not valued enough over there. The people don't care about him. The, the managers, they don't address him by his name. They're just like, "Here's your job, do this, whatever." They don't, they just don't care, right? And so that's another invest. You can invest in proper leadership, but if you are one of those leaders, then another possible investment is understanding how to value your employees.、Mm-hmm. If you can show them that they are valuable, they have a purpose. The reason is that their purpose for being there, essentially. You can get a lot more out of somebody that way, right? That's the, the psychological aspect of it. So again, you don't necessarily have to buy them the fanciest tools, but if you provide them with purpose in their life, they will significantly increase their overall output for you, and it also increases、uh, worker loyalty. Right?、Mm-hmm. They're going to want to continue working for you even through the tough times、mm-hmm. because they know, like, hey, this is not just my job. This is kind of like my purpose, and I really like my boss. And I know that if I work with them, if we work together, like, we can go to the top. Mm-hmm. We can bring it back up. Yeah, and that goes back to incentives because incentives doesn't have to be a, t- a tangible thing. It doesn't have to be a bonus. It doesn't have to be really anything actually tangible. It could be just a compliment or、uh, how are you doing or you know. So somebody can come to work. They could. They could. No one knows what you're doing. You know, when you're not at work, you, don't, you could have like a real depressing life. And then you come into work, and then you have these people who are just like your family, and it's like people will. 
if they have like a really depressing actual life and they go to work, they actually rather be at work because they're around people and they're they're around all this you know camaraderie. So that right there could be an incentive, just the camaraderie, just to be just to go and like, hey Jeff, how you doing? And then that you know Jeff's having a little bit better day because you asked him how he's doing, yeah. because you acknowledge him as a person and he and like you said, the brand loyalty, he's gonna be more likely to stay with you. Even like you don't even have to pay him a whole lot. If he feels, you know, at home, he's going to want to work there more often. And um, he could go to his other job who could actually pay him more, but they don't treat him well. So he could actually quit the job that's paying him more to go for a job that's paying him less because he just feels happier. And um, I don't know who said it. It's a pretty famous quote. But if you do something you like, you never work a day in your life. Right. I've heard that before. So if you make your employees really happy, then it's like they're not even working. They're just coming to, you know. Have fun. Yeah, hang out and just yeah. you know serve other people. Yeah, right? exactly. So imagine like being a esports player or like a basketball player. Like right. if you just love basketball, you're never really working. You're just getting paid to have fun and play yeah, basketball yeah, with your friends. You know, paid, paid, paid to play the game. Yeah, yeah. I, so those are a couple of uh, investings that you should consider for your business or if you're starting a business. Those are a couple of things. You know, you can buy higher quality goods. You can buy higher quality people, which I recommend you do. Treat all of your employees well, right? That's another invest. Invest in them, make them part of the community. And I think we also talked about like getting training for those people who are not where they need to be mm-hmm. and where you want them to be. If they're if they're willing to take the the step, then I would absolutely invest in getting them that, yeah. that so, training that they need. Yeah, for so training really helps because let's say, and I was gonna make it easier for you know math. Um, one employee brings in five dollars a day because they are only as good as making five dollars a day but then if you give them training you may have to spend a hundred dollars to train them but then now they're bringing in ten dollars a day you're going to make your money back on the training eventually oh and in fact that's the exact thing that the military does they spend thousands tens of thousands of dollars per person that they put into you know training and then at that's why you know you're less likely to get kicked out early on because they need to make their money back from you. So they need you to go into your actual career field and make the money back before you know before they'll kick you out. They're most likely moving around before they kick you out yes. early on. So that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one, and I think that's probably enough time we've spent on that topic. So now we're going to get into probably my favorite topic, and this is actually quite similar to investing in your business. But this is going to be investing in yourself, right? Uh, another person that I follow a lot, Alex Ramosi, he, you know, what we talked about previously, the S&P 500, he calls it the SME 500. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he creates this really good picture of it where it's like he knows this girl who I think she was working as, I don't know, like a barista over at Starbucks, making $17.50 an hour, right? Whatever. But she could spend $500 and get a some kind of medical license certificate. I don't remember what it was specifically. And yeah, $500 is a lot, especially when you're only making $17.50 an hour. But if you could pay that money mm-hmm. and get that certificate, her income would have gone from anywhere from like a twenty dollars to $30,000 working at Starbucks to like a $100,000 career, mm-hmm. right? Essentially quintupling her overall income. And it's a lot of money up front, right? It's 500 bucks for somebody who makes 1750 an hour. That's, that's still a pretty decent amount of change. However, the upside is significantly better. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are afraid of is, is putting such a high amount of money in an investment towards themselves when 
they don't see the immediate payoff. And that's where it really gets them is that when it comes to all these investments, the, the big thing that we, the big takeaway here is that investments, the payoff for the investment is never going to be immediate. It will always take time and you need to be patient in order to see that kind of benefit. But me personally, my favorite type of investing is investing in yourself. For one, I went and because I like talking to people, because I like working with people and helping them figure out their problems, I got a master's degree in, in leadership. So all the stuff that I learned in my classes are like how to tell when somebody's upset, what kind of leadership styles work for some certain kinds of people, how to coach people, how to mentor people, you know, all of these kinds of things. And by no means, I'm not telling you that you absolutely have to get a master's degree, right? I think in today's day and age, there's probably a lot more experience-based qualifications that are better than simple online or even a university college degrees. It depends, unless you get like from Harvard. But essentially the biggest thing is that as long as you get the knowledge and that it is credible, right? So I'm not telling you to cut corners and enroll in some leadership skill from some Joe Schmo dude that you have never met before and he's gonna give you all this information but none of it is backed by any kind of research or whatever. This is just kind of what he's saying or she is saying and then take that and apply it because chances are it may not work out with you, right? Mm. I chose to get a master's degree in leadership because the people who are teaching me about these things are licensed professionals. They are professors at a university. They have done extensive amounts of research and all these things. I have to go out and study and, and conduct additional research, finding additional peers who've done these kind of uh, uh, studies, if you will. And so granted, yeah, it costs a lot of money to do a master's degree, but the payoff is well worth it. Granted, I am a Marine, so I have my GI Bill. So for me, it's technically free. Yeah. But yeah, make sure you um, capitalize on those investments, too, because I know a lot of people who go to school to hide from reality oh. and then they'll spend a lot of money, but then they'll go get a job completely outside of their major. So they'll get like a business license and then go work for McDonald's. Really? And it's like if you're going to get a business license, at least go try to open a business. Or if you're going to get like a psychology license, don't go and make art for a living. You know, so if you're going to invest all that money in school, try to use that degree to make your money back. Otherwise, Absolutely, you know, yeah. what would you do it for? You know? Yeah. This is not, this is not to say like, if you want to be somebody important, you have to get like a business degree at Harvard law or whatever the case yeah. may be. Do that. If you want to actually work utilize something from Harvard Law. Like if you want to work as a lawyer or something along those lines, get that kind of degree. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do something and the degree is not available, like let's say for example, you want to be a veterinarian and there's no degrees for veterinarians wherever you work, figure it out. Like go yeah. do some research. There's mm -hmm. plenty of other places. You could even do volunteer work. You can learn, you can be an unpaid intern. And again, experience in my mind and through my experience, People who have experience in certain fields are usually better than people who have just the knowledge in that field. Yeah. So for me, I've got both. I have experience mm -hmm. in doing public speaking and like coaching and mentoring, but I started out with just my knowledge. And believe me, all the knowledge in the world that you have will never be enough to prepare you for when you actually have to put it to the test. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I gotta do my first public speech. And I was incredibly nervous. I had no idea what I was doing, despite the fact that I had just taken a class on speech mm. and I knew all the ins and outs. So no matter what, it, it, nothing will ever prepare you for that, for the live fire, so to speak. Yeah. Right. But again, it's always good to invest, to get the knowledge, but really what you want to invest in is, is get the experience. And sometimes that means 
like we've talked in the first episode, just getting out there. If you want to have experience in starting a business, mm-hmm. just start a business. Just, just get try out there. And fail. Yeah, because you know, most most likely you're going to fail at the beginning or your first one anyway. But mm-hmm. you know, get out there and learn what you need to know. Learn what you need to question and, and learn the questions to ask. Uh, yeah. So investing. Make sure if you're investing in yourself, you're investing properly because you don't want to go to school and get an art degree because you want to be the head of, you know, a Starbucks. Like just because you invested money in yourself, but it was for the wrong thing. It's not in, in, in any way related to the end goal. So you just wasted money. And even though an art degree shows that you have X amount of credits in school, it shows something better about you, it's not actually going to help you in that field. So I think that's important. And also, uh, to kind of contradict what you said earlier, um, sometimes it's okay to get a degree from somebody who doesn't know anything, as long as it just shows that you have credits. For example, let's say you want to be um, a welder. Let's say you're an amazing welder, right? Okay. But you never went to school for welding. You're self-taught, and then you want to get an actual, make an actual company and get an actual, or get a job somewhere welding. And they're like, we can't hire you because you don't have any certs. It's like, oh, but I'm better than all the people that you have certed, but I don't have a cert, so I can't work here. So maybe go get a degree from. It doesn't even matter if this, if Joe Schmo, Schmo doesn't know how to weld, but he's an accredited welder and he can give you an actual certificate for welding, and he's not teach you anything. He can say whatever he wants. You're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm not listening, and then. I'm just gonna take that cert because I already know what I'm doing. I just need you to tell, basically show documents, give me a document showing that I know what I'm doing. That is a fair point. Uh, but again, that is somebody who already has experience yeah. and is looking to get certifications. Yeah. Because yeah, I that's, do that's more of a niche example. Yeah. But there are, there are certain times where the job you want will simply say, I don't care how much experience you have. If you don't have a certification or a degree in a specific field, you will not get the job. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times that could be a legal thing too, because if you mess something up and then they're like, who did that? This guy did it. What's well, just certs? He doesn't have any. Okay. So that's your fault. Yeah. You hired him with no certs. Now it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But generally, I mean, another one that I like to talk about in terms of investing for yourself is like finding a mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially. And this sometimes can, <clears throat> excuse me it can sometimes bite you a little bit because sometimes finding the right mentor means applying for a job that will pay you less and but we did recently speak about this how if you are getting paid less but you are either learning something incredibly valuable or you're working for a community that you absolutely love you're okay taking that that dip in pay like a journeyman absolutely or an intern they don't get paid at all yeah, yeah. but yet they learn from like the best right mm-hmm. and essentially it's it's essentially free knowledge right like yeah. you got to be there but you get to be basically in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat of this individual who is going to teach you everything you need to learn about whatever it is you want to know. So if you're like in business law or like whatever, and you're hanging out with like a judge and like top lawyers, even if you're not getting paid to hang out with them, you're getting all this additional information. You're seeing how they do business, how they do their things, you know, all the protocols. And so now you have that experience, even if it's secondhand experience, it's still experience nonetheless. that, That brings me to this movie, uh, the devil wears Prada. Oh yes. So yes. basically, she was an intern for this high, um, high value designer, and she was just getting thrown through the ring or whatever. But it, she ended up being like one of the best mm-hmm. because she, she sacrificed you know money 
and give sacrifice time to learn something from somebody who's actually accredited. So just being just that that in itself could be like a certificate or a diploma. It's like, hey, I was trained by this person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I so they're gonna like, well, you must know at least this much. You must know like at least half of what they know. If you know half of what they know, then I want you with me. Absolutely. Because like yeah, if a student from Warren Buffett was like, hey, I was under Warren Buffett about investments, I'd be like. Yeah, what, tell me what, what you know. Yeah, tell me what you know. Like, what are, <laughs> yeah. what are you investing in right now? Exactly. You know, so, I know. <laughs> like, if you're like a sous chef for like um, Gordon Ramsay, oh, like, absolutely. I, I don't care if you know 10% of what he knows, teach me what you know. Yeah. You know, that's that right there is really a big thing. You know? um, There's something else I wanted to say. I forgot what it was, though. But, oh, yeah. Um, you are basically the average of the five people that you hang around. Mm-hmm. So if you're hanging around, like you said, the judge, or if you're hanging around a high designer, if you're hanging around Gordon Ramsay, even if you're not getting paid, you are learning and you're being, you're um, taking in those skills that, you know, that they have and you're learning something better than probably what a college can teach you. And this is experience too. You're actually seeing this, you know, practically rather than in a book, you know, so you are the sum of the five people you hang out with. Right. So that's the company you keep, so to speak. Exactly. Yes. So in that right there is an investment. So don't invest your time into, you know, slackers or to bo- to lazy people. Don't invest your time into these people who are just going, you know, smoking weed all the time and not doing anything, complaining about politics and complaining about, you know, life. Go invest your time in the millionaires who they're not going to give you no, no money, but they're going to teach you things, how to move differently. Not necessarily, they, may, they may not even tell you how to build a business or how they build their business or what business they're doing, but a millionaire moves different. They just, they move different. So if you can just learn how to move like they do, it, it can make you a better person because you may have more confidence walking around. You may speak with more authority when you go to speak with people. You may learn like subtle things like, you know, stand up and shake somebody's hand or a firm handshake or uh, walk like you know, like you own the place type thing. So it's like you can just learn very small things and make I a better think person. That's probably one, if not the best, bit of advice in terms of investing for yourself that I think you might have given. I think that probably beats out what I specifically said of like going out and finding uh, the proper knowledge and things like yeah, like all that stuff is really important. But if you are always around people who will belittle your every move mm-hmm. who are lazy who have no motivation in their life whatsoever that kind of negative energy will immediately seep into your life and into your very being mm-hmm. and you will become the company you keep so yeah. if you hang around lazy people if you hang around losers and sometimes and this is unfortunate this sometimes means like your best friend you might have to cut ties with them in some situations because yeah. you have to take it take a step back and realize my friend is not doing anything with his life. He doesn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. I can't be around him if I want to be successful. Exactly. Right. Like this means like, and sometimes this even means like you have to, you know, miss movie night with your girlfriend or even your wife in some situations to invest that knowledge and, and be around the right kind of people. Now, I'm not telling you to, to like divorce <laughs> your wife whatsoever, yeah. oh. but I do want to make it very clear that the people you hang out, maybe mostly outside of your immediate family, are absolutely paramount to your overall motivation and drive towards being successful yeah and also you can create the people you you hang out around as oh, well yeah. so for example like you said with the best friend there's a couple options you either leave that friend behind because they're just dragging you down or you could build them up 
so that they can be your partner. But um, if they just don't have any intentions of ever doing any better with their life, like they're smoking weed and they're playing video games, watching movies and sleeping all day, you'd be like, hey, I got this business opportunity. I would like you to join with me and I want you to help me. I want to put you in charge of this. And then, like I said before, some people just need direction. So you'd be like, oh, you want me to do A, B, and C every day? Okay, I'll do that. I don't need to smoke or watch movies. I'll just do this, A, B, and C. And then they just get better at doing that until they're on your level and then you can continue hanging out with them because they're keeping you on on your toes and you're and some people um find happiness in teaching others and raising other people up but if that person is like yeah i don't really have any interest in doing that then you you might have to like spend less time with them or just cut them off completely yeah sometimes it's unfortunately it's sometimes the best thing for you is to like let certain people go yeah and as much as it hurts it will overall just be better for your life because you Mm -hmm. don't want to be having a miserable life due to the people that don't really care about your well-being in the end they just want to just do whatever whatever it is they want to do uh but that is another that's a very good point some people just need some direction they need some guidance and sometimes that means that you have to be that guide Mm -hmm. and if you're that kind of person and they're that kind of friend then you can make you know beautiful music together or competitiveness like you can you can be like hey i'm doing this better than you and then they're like oh well you think so and then they start trying to do it better than you and then eventually you guys are going to reach the you know the summit because you guys are both trying to like one up each other and i think those are like some of the best people to have around you it's like real competitive people like not toxic competitive competitiveness but just like regular I want to be better I want to match you and I want to exceed you you know something like that I think those are good friends I have around I would agree yeah you got anything else to add for this one that's all I got alright I think that's going to be covering it today for this episode so we've covered the three types of investing which is the general one investing in stocks and bonds ETFs and all the, the ups and downs that come along with it we talked about investing for your business that means investing in the company investing in the people and all that things and of course the last one my personal favorite which is investing in yourself learning how to become the best version which is literally what this podcast is all about becoming the best version of yourself I know primarily we're doing the business saga but we will eventually get into the more health and relationship sagas and self-improvement right in the coming in the coming months but for now i think that's going to do it for the podcast i'd like to thank you all so very much for joining with us and until next time keep on and i'll make sure you um hit all those likes follows and subscribes and all those you know things like that make sure you guys support us go to our patreon and consider um signing up for the patreon or you know just just a comment you know that's always good just a comment just let us know you know engage with us yes we would love to hear back from you and you get to see us be completely unprofessional in our hiatus episodes it's uh it's quite something yeah so yeah um we're giving you all this information free of charge and you know all you got to do is engage with us and let us know that this is actually helping somebody and then it just keeps us motivated so thanks again my friends and keep on climbing we'll see you at the top